The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi everybody, Andrew Gormley, CEO of Classic Flyers here. If you're interested in classic aviation and you want to get up close and personal to old aircraft and see some of New Zealand's aviation history, come across the Classic Flyers, Jean Batten Drive, Mount Monganui, right on the edge of the airport. You can go for flights in old aeroplanes like Boeing Stearmans and Harvards. There's lots to see. Kids' parties happening here all the time. We have functions and function rooms, business meetings, and a great cafe with excellent coffee. If you'd like to be involved with Classic Flyers, we also have the volunteer groups who do all things from helping out with function work or just on the main hangar floor with visitors and guests or birthday parties, right through to engineers who get involved in restoring some of our wonderful old aircraft assets. Currently at the moment, we've got a Grumman Avenger being restored and a de Havilland single-seat FB5 Vampire. These things are all part of New Zealand's aviation history. It's a great place and it's in a good location. Come and have a visit. Check out the website on www.classicflyersnz.com. Hi, it's Matt Jolly from warbirdradio.com. Listen, I am thrilled to have Dave Homewood as part of our broadcast family and bring your stories, the stories of the RNZAF, heard right here on Wings Over New Zealand to our global audience. Thanks for listening, and hope to hear from you sometime at warbirdradio.com. The Wings Over New Zealand show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Fly DC3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC3 Dakota, and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Okay, I'm speaking with Neville Walsley. Uh, hi, Neville. Hi, you, Dave. <laughs> Can You've you caught up with me at last? At last. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me uh, about your background, where you were born, and how you got mm. into aviation to start off with? Yeah, I was born in Harrow. Okay. 1939, just as the war started, and we moved to um, the farm north of Stratford, but did most of my schooling in Stratford. We went to fly at Stratford Aero Club, that was um, Solon 1956, and Tigers, that's all we had, just Tiger Moss, we met the Tigers, and went right through to commercial in Tiger Moss. All, all at Stratford? All at Stratford, yeah, okay. went through there. And from there I had a, um, went loader driving, well, I went to an apprenticeship in the motor trade, and then from that I started to get interested in, in flying and aviation and sort of dropped my trade exams and started doing my um, flying exams, commercial then and after a fair struggle getting through the exams because my schooling is not through no university or not, only very limited secondary education. Yeah. 
I found the struggle of getting through the exams and paperwork on it. But finally did that and um, as day I got commercial was um, I went egg flying the next day after that, so that would have been in nineteen sixty one. Yeah, so it was we was in a cub and we still had a tiger moth. It was with Airspread, Tanak Limited, still up at the Tiger moth in the hangar there, but I said, Look, I just want to do two or three loads of the aerodrome to sail flying tiger. But I had a, um, um, a sail for the aeroplane and didn't want me to think to it. All right, I guess <laughs> yeah, so I went straight into cubs, so right. flew the cub, and Brian, we did a couple of circuits, short landings, and a two seater cub, the aeroclub had there. And he said, Just show me two in his top dress of cub, and, and then it was that. That was that was a training. Okay. Yeah, he did give me words of wisdom. He sort of said, um, "When you go for the homes, because this is when uh, when invited to the house or meals and that sort of thing," he said, "Well, there's three things you you don't discuss when you're at the home, and that is politics, religion, and their daughters." And that was my education to evil top dressing. <laughs> From that, around the Taranaki province, and I moved to. Thought there must be better money, better. Yeah, and when you talk to other pilots around the area, what they were earning to what I was earning here in Stratford, so I thought we'll go for the bigger areas. So I moved to the wire wrapper. Good money, good. Went on to the, uh, the Fletchers, we only had the 240s, went up to the 260s. Mm -hmm. And um, I did a couple of years on them. I had a bit of a mishap in one of them. And um, I wasn't terribly impressed with the. Um, the Fletcher, it just didn't feel, you know, it was, to me those early ones just felt like a bloody old tractor because we had no, nothing in comfort whatsoever. The seats were just a, a bit like a bench seat, yeah. no adjustable controls on it, so I had to put extra cushions in because I'm not being big and, yeah. And um, I got talking to Field Air and they were going to offer me a, um, you know, a job with this Field Air with a beaver and I said, this suited me, so I applied for them. In the meantime, their contracts said, Got a beaver for you, you'll stay. Yes, yeah, so I did. I stayed on with their contracts okay. and we did three years with their beavers. And then by then, that point, economically, they went to, um, yeah, you know, the better aircraft were coming in field. So we tried all sorts of things. So they gave me one eight, let's say at that time, 180, 185s, ag wagons. And then we had the Pawnee. Yeah. And then a um, bit in the crop masters, bit in the agricola. And then they had these cool airs, and big, they had a 400 horsepower engine that's before the um, Fletchers. Okay. Introduced to the Fletcher. And um, in the PL12 air truck. So we got the early ones of them, and got embarrassed myself with a um, brand new one. And through, well, as they found out, was faulty fuel design that um, I over Marston just. You know, doing a yeah, familiarisation flight and the sheer quit, the engine quit, so I couldn't get back to the aerodrome. And, and so I put in the paddock down, um, just out of town, right against the town there. And the um, embarrassing part was I thought I'd done quite a good landing going there, but I never saw a, um, a drain with the long grass. Right. And over she went on a bank. Brand new aeroplane, didn't even have. Well, would have had three hours on it, I suppose. Yeah, so that's what sort of point the finger at me about it. And then it wasn't until a very short time after that they got another new one. And they had one of our senior pilots flying that at Tirapa, this before Mystery Creeks were going. Yeah. And they had a um, same thing happened to him. But in fact, he was so much lower than I was, they had nowhere to go, so they put it down in the car park. And then um, 
got quite badly hurt in it. Yeah. Got badly hurt. And the, um, so by then I thought there must, there must be a problem somewhere, so they did have to redesign the fuel system. Oh, yeah, right. So in the meantime, I had a couple of other air trucks flew them, but I, I had several engine failures. For various reasons, it, um, I was having like, three engine failures in them. So uh, um, different things. I you know, lost a, um, a throttle control leakage went on one one, and that one had the fuel collector top the engine that fractured, and but both times managed to get the aircraft down without um, without any further damage. Got on the strip, that one went got into a paddock and managed to repair it and, and repair the, um, the faulty fuel collector in it, and then uh, flew out and back to work. And in the meantime, the field air sort of said, look, we've got another job, you want to come with us? And I thought, bloody hell, I'll come back on the Beavers again. So yeah. back on the Beaver, and then a short time in Marston, I moved to Napier, so it was on the um, Beavers in Napier. Okay. No, I was starting to find the Napier area, Hawke's Bay area. Man, this is different to the wire wrap, what I've put with, up with all these years, seven, eight years down there. It was, we found we had more work than really weather to do it in the wire wrapper. Right. But got to Hawke's Bay, and we found it was... It was more weather than work, so we found that we could we felt far more relaxed in that area. And, um, and I thought, well, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, thinking back, it was pretty hard in the water in those days. And so we did have a fairly bad accident right that stage. Rural did, so you know, they lost four aircraft, four, yeah, four chaps in, wow. in a fairly short time over there, and that was in the uh, early 60s. Yeah. And some of them were weather-related accidents, other ones were probably inexperienced, you know, not too sure. Yeah, so I did the four years, another four years in Beavers with Field Air, and that's sort of said, well, we've got a um, more DAX coming on, Field Institute, about the D, uh, DAC rate. So I've had no multi-time, I've had no um, um, uh, retract, you know, multi-engine or retract time, mm-hmm. and um, they sort of found it was better to put a Cottage pilot into a DC-3, then have a DC-3 pilot trying to teach him how to do top dress. That was their policy, which is super me. So, because I enjoyed the Beaver, I enjoyed the Napier, but it meant I'd have to shift out of Napier again. So, got very understanding wise. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I did my rating. That was just five hours um, uh, conversion time onto the day, and then went to the hills. So, just checked up with us periodically just to see that we're handing the aircraft to. You know, the company specifications, and yep. so I did another 11 years on DC 3s, wow. and that was a really good exercise. Actually, I mean, a bit of prestige with it, of course, you know, but yeah. usually that no, that act was a good operation, it's all single pilot, and, and you know, I did no, no time on the right hand seat, we just straight to the left hand seat, and uh, okay. all single pilot, I say single pilot, and then I did a stint down the South Island after the. I lost the one down there, the Donsthorpe, had a one break up in the air. Yeah. So I went down and um, looked after some air super side of it for a while, and, and they moved me back to the uh, North Island, to Hawke's Bay. Okay. So they, yeah, that's 11 years there, and then they were going out, well, they were pulling out the dax, and there only three of us left. And I thought when I come down from back on the South Island, that that would probably be the last deck operation from down there. And yeah. So I brought all the equipment back, what I had down there, and. Uh, yeah, short time I started pulling them out. That's about the only three of us left. Bruce Thompson was in Gisborne, Rainmerson, and in Wairau then, and we were just pulling out of Danavik at that stage. Okay. Yeah, so they went back to Wanda Fletch, and after a short time I thought, no, I, I couldn't settle down after that. So I thought, well, I'll try and get that ag work. 
Well, I did try, but um, yeah, then I did other various jobs, went back to trade, drive buses and that sort of thing, and I couldn't settle down. And, uh, and I went freelancing, so you know, flew for one year, short time, Ed Cat with Hallett Griffin, just to fill in with the season. Right. And um, went to Aussie, had a play around there. Then I came back to, then we moved to New Plymouth, or settled down on a job there. Yeah. I was looking at a the business there, then a couple of other boats came to us and said, look, we're thinking about setting up a business in, um, in Rotorua, we're going to tourist along in vintage aeroplanes. This sounded a bit different. Yeah. But again, understanding why, she said, oh, I don't want to go to Rotorua because she just settled in New Plymouth. Yeah. So I thought, no, we'll go up here then. So we had. Um, did another 25 years on Tiger Moss and um, in the Domino at the DH and then Weebit and the Dove. We had it operating out of there and, and with the tourist line and by then I had my uh, multi-D rating, instructor rating, so I was doing instructing, a lot of test flying. And, until I got to the age where the um, CA thought, well, you know, you're in that grey black area and yet even my medical seemed good but it was just the stains there so I thought, well, um, days were finished with flying. I had my two sons, they were both flying, but right into aviation. They'll think probably what kept me going for so long because they were right into it. And, yeah. and then we sort of, um, uh, with Haswell departments, I thought we can RPL, so for that at least I can just fly a bit more comfort in medicals. And that's what makes it a lot easier now. And I was, yeah. even after uh, 60 years, 63 years, still flying open cockpit biplanes. We have our own little Acro Sport too, which we, we fly, so I'm currently still flying there. Aircraft so that's no, good. Started off in open cockpits and 60 years plus later, still fly it. <laughs> open cockpit biplane. But it's good as commodity, you know, with the chaps we have get together and that sort of thing. It's so damn good to catch up with, with these chaps. And yeah, I think we had the best life of past flying guys because um, we didn't have all this compliance yeah. rubbish you got to go through now and that type of thing. And yeah. you know, thinking back, it was a, a damn good era, really. I suppose the sad part of it, I did lose quite a few mates you know, in the industry and I think it was luck and I think I was probably lucky that I got away with what, what I did yeah. and, um, and still you know, flying after all these years really. Yeah. You know, it's, no, it's good, I've, no, I've had a, I wouldn't say charmed life, but I've had a very interesting life yeah, with the test flying I did in Rotorua with various types of aircraft, various problems we cropped up at times. But, yeah, no, I've enjoyed the flying, I really have. And I only started up as a hobby, I never thought I'd go commercial flying and, and end up doing the flying I did. It was just, just how events happen, you know, yeah. really there, being lost by the right time, I suppose, by the time I was at. Yeah, and exactly. Then, you know, yeah. So, with um, Field Air, how many DC-3s were they operating? Uh, we had 10 DACs, and there's always one that's a pair. I think it would be about nine. Okay. Nine pilot operating at that stage in. Yeah, had ten okay. aircraft. There's always one bench and change, um, wing inspections, that sort of thing. So they hang there for probably a month or two, and then there's always a spare ship that we would have to go. Yeah. Good for us. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, which of all those different types did you prefer as your favourite, and which one did you hate the most? I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that one because, <laughs> really, you know, I had unfortunately to fly. Bloody nice aeroplanes, you know, they were, uh, you know, to, to start off on tigers, you know, I've got a real soft spot for tigers. Yeah. And then they have the time in Moth Minor, a lovely aeroplane, but the chipmunk, damn nice aeroplane. Then the, the beavers, you know, it was, a, the beaver would be probably right on the top of the favourite, because the time of the, in the DC-3 and the operation we had on that was 
this is good. That looked okay. I just liked um, Bobby Fletcher number one, I suppose, because yeah. it, it was in those days. I think they've gotten them now. Days it's more company machines, but they were just like thirty-five tractor type of thing. They were just a, a flying tractor. Really, that's how they tread them and that sort of thing. And um, no, it's sort of the Griffin here. Yeah, I far preferred that to the, the Fletcher okay. air truck. Yeah, good performer, but um, t too light for what the industry was expecting of it. Yeah. Because um, yeah, uh, um, yeah, I suppose in that time I found probably nearly 80 different types of aeroplanes. Right. Yeah, going through um, yeah, a bit in ballooning and a bit in bit of gliding and a bit of um, uh, yeah, yeah, branched out different types of things. And we used to have a thing that used to be quite different too. Was to do quite a bit of skydiving of the DC-3, so I had that, that for a few seasons. Was yeah. actually putting probably 26, 30 people in, in the back behind the harbour yep. and they're jumping out there doing their mass dr drop so that was either Wanganui, Telpo, Napier, Denver. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was different flying, you know, I mean we're used to two, three hundred feet, a thousand feet above the ground but this going up to about 12,000 feet was felt out of my depth or height I suppose you would say, yeah. not depth. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have any um, flights or, or operations that really scared you, like weather problems or yeah, wire strikes? Or yeah, quite a few. I've been through yeah, several fences and at the end of the strip and that sort of thing. And I've been through wires, yeah. We never... At one stage I knew they were there, but <coughs> later in the day I had probably a bit of fatigue and I just forgot they were there, but luckily there was no, um, no damage. Not to the aeroplane, brought the wires down. Another trap because the end was TVs were just starting to come in and the farmers had to have their TV because most houses were down the valley beside the road and only received to get what they putting a mast up right on top of the hill and of course that was suspended by a very fine number 10 high tensile wire and we just wouldn't see them. Yeah, wouldn't see the wires. I went through several of those too in those early days until we had to tell the farmer that he's got to put them down, follow the fence line and keep them down. But it was just through, yeah, those sorts of strikes I had. And, well, did, I had one serious accident in the Fletcher. Knocked unconscious there for a few hours. And um, had a couple of days in hospital, but I was back flying in three weeks. And um, I suppose being knocked unconscious in that mishap that I didn't, um, it didn't sort of put me off the aviation, I suppose. Um, mm. Um, how long have you been a member of SAA? Um, oh, from two or three, to the, I've had two or three times been in. We sort of got the airplane started to come with them and they'll move somewhere else and sort of lose contact. But yeah, so since we built our aircraft, it'd be, it's can't be off now, probably 20 years, 20 years or more. Okay. Mm. Right. Yep, yep. So, um, over those years that you've been involved, I guess you've seen a few developments in the... Oh, yeah, it's changed. One heck of a lot. Even when I first started, and Ed said, oh, you can't build aircraft in your own back seat. You've got to do it in a hangar, do it with a light engineer. But it's good you know, for those early blokes who stuck with it and proved to the department, of course it's possible. I mean, what's the difference between my sheet and, and their hangar type of thing and my experience and their experience. I've got the experience, so I don't know what I can do. But certainly from the early jodels and the um, turbulence come into it, now the high performance machines we've got nowadays, it's just changed overwhelmingly. New technology and to me it's just sort of probably developing faster than I can cope with really and now all this um, 
glass cockpit setups now, but it's just, you know, I suppose good to be flying from those early home-built aircraft. I was doing a bit of flying way back then and, and flying them still today and test flying some of these new, like the Lance here, the, the test flying the Lance here, they're very vegan and they were just uh, totally different to the first aircraft we flew, like the turbulence and the, uh, and the old total D9s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So um, tell me about the Acro Sport. What's that like to fly? I mean, it's quite, it's only one in the country, isn't it? No, there is uh, two. There has been three. Okay. Um, yeah, I think there's three now. Yeah, flying. It's only one that's very, I should say, very much like a pit. Not performance, we haven't got the big engine like a pit. Yeah. And um, in the meantime, after we started the project, uh, the Rotary Aero Club got the FXT, the... Um, S2, and that was it's a lovely machine. The, uh, the dogs. that's a good thing with that one when they had the um, tourist work with the pits up. And I was doing um, being paid to learn to do aerobatics properly, so I just tried to get um, um, yeah, practicing different maneuvers yeah. with the tourist, and then that thought it was great because I mean, I mean, I'd fall out of maneuver, don't they? This is bloody great, <laughs> <laughs> and I was getting paid, yeah. <laughs> so I won't do that again, yeah. No, it's fantastic, and then. With the aircraft, but it hasn't got quite the same rate of roll, it hasn't got one or two things we don't have inverted system in, but it's still a lovely aeroplane just to you know, go for a fly and have a bit of a play. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about top dressing in the uh, DC-3. They're a big old aircraft to be flying around, mm. and, and you were in Hawke's Bay with that? Or? Mainly the west, uh, sorry, the east coast, and yeah. the south island, of the, of, you know, working out of Queenstown. So in some steep areas, uh, mm. quite quite steep hills, mm. so you, you sort of must have really been throwing that aircraft around a little bit? We did, but it, it sort of had pre-planned things, because there's a lot of inertia, a lot of weight with it, and you sort of had to... Yeah, try and think ahead of the aeroplane all the time, but really it was, it was treated no different to a beaver really, yeah. except with the weight, with the inertia, and um, the flying handling of it was just, yeah, just like a big beaver in other ways, except yeah. it was, um, yeah, fast coordinated controls, no, it was neat. Well, I suppose the worst thing with the, with the deck, I suppose, was the hatch above your head. It was the fact that they had to, to um, yeah, escape hatch. But we used to have to use that to get out in the morning to um, clean the windows, frost on the window, right, yeah. or, or wash the windows. So they were like the windscreens because you get dust back and, you know, on, the, on the window. And then, because we shut that again, you never get the seal properly. And then, because you get a stud off in the morning, you got dew up on the aircraft or in the rain, and next thing you end up bloody cold, dripping down on your knees. <laughs> it was just, you know, it just continued dripping down on your, yeah, on yeah. your, on your knees. And, um, because we had no heating with it, everything that they could take out, they took out. We only had basic instruments and it was solely VFR, that's what it was. But, yeah. um, but it, the whole operation of the deck itself was, you know, I just feel so privileged. I was in those, the right spot at the right time to, to do the flying, I did it. You know, and it, was, it was perfect, really. A lot away from homework, but my wife and the family accepted it. And, and, the, and they were good because quite often they came with me. You know, to go down to Queenstown, I'd spend several weeks with us out of Queenstown, and that was magic flying in here, but there's no way we could do an operation like that in today's environment, because in those, we didn't have the traffic like we've got now, we didn't have the tourist aircraft come in like we've got now, yeah. and we just had, rather well, they had aerodromes to ourselves, because it, there wasn't the, the population, the air traffic and that type of thing, but and I suppose the industry has decreased as passion numbers or as the um, airways increased, well, yeah. um, 
Yeah, so we sort of um, top dress and find the you know, sort of not wouldn't say winding down, but not with the, and I suppose you're doing more uh, specialist sort of manures and, uh, and aircraft are getting more specialised for doing that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah so it's just a change in environment that um, yeah, was happening in that time actually. Yeah. So when you um, when you've got a full load on in the Dakota uh, and you're doing your drops, do you do several drops out of the same hopper full, uh, or does uh, it no, all go out at once? It's it's one big hopper. Yeah. Yeah. In one's, uh, even though there's two door, two door openings at the bottom, but they were connected, so we just uh, switch on for the doors open and switch off for the doors closed. And, and a lot of the time, if, if you're doing good long runs, because some of the probably we did over there, which was good, uh, they were big probably. You know, you're looking probably up to um, 10,000 acres, right. some of the properties up there. And uh, good long runs, we're doing probably a three, four, five mile runs. Okay. And that was ideal for that aeroplane. And sometimes you're doing smaller holdings, and then we're doing probably taking four, five, six or eight runs before you get, you know, have your five tons cleaned out of the aeroplane. And you had to plan the sewing area, sewing runs, so minimum of turning, minimum of what you call it. And, and um, the main thing was, was uh, look after the aeroplane. So we, we didn't put any unnecessary stress on it. I mean, you, you could, I wouldn't say cowboy in the aeroplane, but you could pull the thing over to a sort of a semi wing over that sort of thing. But you, you positive light, very light positive G all the way around, which is similar as doing a, you know, no more than what you would do on the takeoff for the full load. So yeah. look, there's no excessive loading on the aeroplane. So. They kept it that way, and they, we did have our one what they call one eighty day checks every six months. And when the company pilots come with us, check on it just to see that we're still operating the aircraft to to the you know, company safety, yeah, safety, 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 safety yeah, and, um, and looking after the aeroplane basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how wh what was the biggest amount of tonnage that we drop in a day? Uh, well, we worked, we worked out of Tamanui, and that was. Um, Pretty short hauls there, and from that you would probably end up with about 20, 20 takeoffs and landings, I suppose, in those days. Okay. So you're looking at probably only um, about 60 odd ton uh, from there. Okay. Um, and then other times we're doing Durbel Island from Paparam, we're going backwards across the straits. We've been over there for about three months, I suppose. Right. So that, we're just backwards across the strait. That was interesting, flying yeah. across yeah. the water. Because you never knew what the weather was like out there as well. You know, it could be wind, but um, and of course that was about our turnaround. So you know, it was only doing the, um, yeah, it's twelve trips a day. So you're doing sixty, uh, sixty ton, but we we did probably doing nearly twelve hours flying probably in that time there. And would you be flying low uh, all the way, or do you go up and then come back down? To yes, the sort of thing. Yeah, we flew generally low most yeah. of the way, really. Yeah. It'd be a bit of a waste of gas to get height just to come back down again, wouldn't it? Um, probably not, no, because you'd be um, buttoning back. Once you get the aircraft to its, um, what do you call it, um, power settings for the cruise, yeah. and um, it, 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 we'd, it, we'd just try to keep a reasonable ground clearance, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but no, we didn't go. Occasionally, we sort of went whole on delivery or shipping the aeroplane from place to place. Like, right. You know, ferry flight from Palmerston North to Alexandra, yeah. nearly three hours flying yeah. there. But of course, we go up as high as we can, really. So, um, yeah, just yeah. for the view, more or less. Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing is, a lot of the time we were there by ourselves and the views and you know, looking at the sights we used to see, yeah, nobody appreciated it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I suppose with today's technology, the cameras you got now. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. That's right. Yeah. Would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, would it be. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. So I carried a camera with me all the time because okay. I always had the camera and um, yeah, took a lot of ground, air to ground shots and that sort of thing. Right, okay. Just the, the country we're flying over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I know that the James Aviation Dakotas, and I think maybe some of the others, sometimes have little cars that they put in the back. We did, did have the car. We did have the car. And yeah. that was the most scariest part of the operation. Yeah, we had the little Bambina, little Fiat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, loads of that, because we had the old Jeep ramps, which was come with the airplane. Yeah. yeah, we just used them and to try and park them up on that steep slope up there. It was in a very narrow uh, channel we had there. But we just put the car in the back and we lift the channels out and they just slide in under the car, tied everything down. Yeah. No, so we used to say I had the fastest fit in the West, you know, I could do Tamanui in, in um, Wanganui, you know, <laughs> probably under 30 minutes. Yeah. What, in 30 minutes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. I never told my I was flying it, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. in the aeroplane. <laughs> Yeah, they said trips like that, they never carried the car and it was just a good setup because you had wheels when you arrived there and because yeah. mm, lots of times you're going off, you'd be there for probably, you'd be working out Woodburn, those sort of places, yeah. you'd be there probably for several weeks. Yeah. The good thing was the fact, I suppose, because they did more of interim role right through the whole deck operation because most people get themselves settled in Gisborne and that's it. We'd go to Gisborne occasionally go out and help other people while our broke was there but I did the filling roles, I sort of flew off. Just about every field which the um, field they operated off, you know, we had the Tangawai airstrip, the, the R90 airstrip used to work off those airstrips there, mm -hmm. Mangamori airstrip, the Oringi airstrip, and the and plus the aerodromes, you know, just about all the aerodromes used to work with. So, you know, I've got a list there, I think, but um, the North Island and even down at um, South Island, we had this um, operating out of, say, Tiana, and then they had Roxburgh, Cromwell. Okay. Then we had a strip in the Limbers Pass, I think Marylands, I think it was called, and yeah. then that was quite a sloping strip. Yeah, it was quite deceiving you know, how steep that strip. But the deck worked off there bloody well, so it was, and with a real sloping ground. And now not having the, you know, and they say not having the photography, not having the people around to record all this. It was, yeah. it's you know, quite sad because you sort of um, we have memories, but we can't sort of record, you know, what we what we saw, how we felt in those days. You know, yeah. we could carry. Like these iPads you have nowadays, you know, come into land on the you know, quite steep sloping strips, it would be good to better record a lot of that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, they, these um, strips that you're talking about, were they grass? Were they gravel? Were they. Uh, the airstrips, uh, most of them were grass, yeah. grass airfields. They were, and they were all getting up towards 5,000, well, I say, a metre mile long anyway, yeah. 5 to 8 or something like that. We sort of worked work a minimum like that. Yeah. And yeah, they work quite well. And the DAC operated very well out of those airstrips. And most of the lot of the airstrips really had drops off the end of them. Yep. So if you had an engine failure and you know, lost an engine on takeoff, or you sort of knew that you know, you'd be scratching to you know, pull up or something like that, or not damaging the airplane, basically. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, major, a lot of the time you're sort of raising the wheels when you're clearing the fence type of thing, because um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you used to work with yeah, calculated tailwind conditions keep the operation going. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Did, did they ever lose any decks? Um, we we did, yeah. We lost um, AOI that had a breakup at working out of Woodburn, but he was up in Aldrey Valley. Um, yeah, that was through fatigue, and that was sad for me because when that happened, they said the ground, the 
you know, the decks are grounded, you know, this sort of thing. They had, you know, fatiguing, that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and of course, just got comfortable with them, you know, probably by then I'd end up about 300 hours. I was just starting to feel that if I had a problem, you know, I probably could cope with it. But up till then, you sort of think, you know, keep your you know, mind occupied to find if I had a problem or not, you know, can I recover from it, sort of thing. Yeah. And if it took probably two, three hundred hours before I started really feel comfortable turn around. And, okay. and this one, and I just got to that stage here, and I thought, oh, just, just really enjoying, understand the airplane, and this happened, and they found that this was badly stressed, I think it was some aerodromes that, you know, Don Thorpe was, you know, he was a pilot in that one. Um, yeah, it was just yeah, more fatigue. And when they did the you NAC, know, did the X-ray on the all the existing aircraft, none of them were had anything like that one did. So next, all the wings went back on them, and we we're back into it. And um, and I went down there and um, did some of the work. You know, and I sort of finished that job that Don was on, and um, and then went further south and you know, out of Queenstown, Alexandra. But that was only one of the lost. You know, I was trying to find all this bloke for beaver pilots onto DC-3s. We never had a takeoff or landing mishap, oh. and all the time, all the number of takeoff landings, not one. Oh. Not one. That's great. Yeah, yeah, so I feel the record for that time was, was damn good. Yeah, yeah. With the training, you know, it was, it was good training, limited training. Oh, thanks, had. And you had nobody to um, back you up, if you forgot to put your wheels down like that, because it's all, all single pilot, you know, you sort of had the, and we had no fuel, uh, no, what you undercarriage warning and that on it, it was just, it was just, you had your, set couple of checks to do on your approach and, and downwinds and that sort of thing, or straight in the, on the approach and you just went through it and several times because we had to sort of work your wheels, your flaps and also um, your mixtures, we had to sort of put the mixtures through from, the, we're sort of, uh, what do you call it, um, auto lean and before, before lean we put the mixtures through to auto rit in case you had to go around again. But the approach we we're working off the aerodromes with the club aircraft and, um, you know, we'd approach with nine, but normally about 90 knots and like that, but we'd had about 75 knots on the um, on the final, you know, the last part of the final there, which is you join the kid in the circuit, and you worked in with the club aircraft, no problem at all, because you know, we didn't have our, our approach speeds weren't much higher than, than the, um, the club aircraft in the circuit either. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So they worked on, you know, well, we're working off these aerodromes where, you know, there's a lot of club activity, but yeah. no, we fit in quite well. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and the engineering side of things, did you it's get involved in the in that side at all? With the uh, yeah, I used to quite enjoy the engine side. I used to try and go to, the, when the aircraft's out on inspection, whether it was on the Beaver or, yeah, or, the, uh, or the DAC, just see what's happening there. Yeah. In, in particular, working down the South Island, that um, you know, we could if we had a foul plug in the morning, instead of ringing the engineers, that would good. And they sort of gave me a set of plugs and gave me sort of what he could and uh, what sort of sign of what I could do, so we could change the spark plug. You know, if you had a plug fouled up and then the run up in the morning, and oh, God, so we could test which plug it was, yeah. just by doing the cold some the test and yeah. go in and which one's cold and. Rip either the front plug or the back plug out. If it's front plug, good, you can get out of it. If it's back plug, bloody awkward to, <laughs> difficult to get out. I mean, you had to undo the back rear cowlings to get at those ones. Okay. But no, it's a good thing we did. They had the torque wrench there, so no, we, we, we carried limited tools in the airplane just to cover up for you know, little things that you know, they felt I was confident enough to do, so no, it was good. Okay. Mm. Mm. Interesting. 
Uh, and you said that there was usually nine aircraft in field air, uh, DC-3 aircraft mm -hmm. and, and a spare. Did, were you assigned one specific aircraft usually? Uh, if we were normally. Yeah. Yeah, when I was in uh, yeah. Danavik, because we lived in Danavik then, I had the um, mainly APB, it only had a single door in it. Yeah. But when I went down south, I used to have an AWP or AWO, they had the big the, the double um, freight doors on them. Yep. Yeah, just to carry the car. So when I did South Island run, you know, just to, um, yeah, so this sort of gave the aircraft to what the operation you're doing. Yeah. But normally, so I had APB, and that was my ship for the until the sort of um, did the South Island run okay. and um, gave me AWO. Yep. Okay. Well, yeah, I was say engineering um, with the companies I was with. It, you know, I was just sort of say, um, can't speak highly enough for the maintenance engineers. This is why we had limited problems with them. Engineering was A1 all the way through. And the, yeah, even on the Beaver, that sort of thing, right aircraft, it was. So you know, I had. Um, and same thing with our loader drivers, you know, they were, you worked in with a team, it's a team you had work you had to do, you know, between your loader driver, and he sort of knew that you'd keep an eye on us, these things that he could pick up, which we would, what he could pick up, and they would draw our attention to it, which, which was magic, which was good, so, you know, you sort of worked a team, and I had to, I can't speak highly for engineering, you know, they were a team of blokes, actually, yeah, they were good. Mm. Something else I've picked up over the years when I've talked to top dressing pilots from your era, is um, the company owners like uh, Ozzy James and uh, Guy Robertson and, and all of the company owners, they seem to be actually good mates. And, and, and they weren't really competing, they were just mates all doing the same thing and mucking it. Yeah, it was, but there was a price war, continual price war with yeah. them all the time. Yeah, you know, you're going on job and then next thing you find the opposition doing it because he's given a better yeah. better price, even though they say that we'll have a fixed price. You know, this is, they worked in trends of price, but it was a, you know, come to the price, go to the pub, have their beers, that sort of thing, and then... Um, go back and carry on what they were doing before. The price cutting, well they did, so it was, yeah. it was, it was a price cutting war. Yeah. And the money we were getting, we are getting paid probably productive money with productive hours, so the more hours you did, the better money you, you come into yeah. really, so, yeah. it was, yeah. um, so you had to work to get a reasonable sort of income. Yeah. That the companies worked in reasonably well together. There was a bit of, I, I wouldn't say backstabbing, but it was, yeah, it was competitive. Yeah. It was very competitive yeah. in those early days. Mm. You know, someone come and might be out of his territory to pinch, you know, you could see that was a good job. He could offer a better price. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's not like the normal sort of company rivalry that you'd expect, though, from opposition companies who... Generally, companies, the bosses won't be mates that hang around with each other or anything, is it? It's interesting. Yeah, but in the, in the top of you know, I found in the top industry, they were, they seemed to well... We had the brothers, and I worked for Colin James, he had their contracts, Ozzy was Ozzy James, but they were yep. brothers, and, yep. they, and they were competing. And they sort of say, well, you, know, you keep out my territory, and I'll keep, keep out of your territory, to all else type of thing. Yeah. But there was, no, most of the companies were, there were, yeah, there's no real, I think probably rivalry might become down a bit lower on, you know, with the operations managers, when they start bringing operation managers into it, they'll be the ones that probably were, right. were the ones where probably, if there's any hassles that happen, and they were, well, um, I know with James Aviation, Aussie James was an entrepreneur and into all sorts of other things as well as the top dressing. Was, was that the same with um, 
Field Air or, or the other companies? No, or no, were they just focused just on... Just focused on top racing. Yeah, Colin was straight on the and the, with Fred Sawyer because he could come into the Field Air Holdings set up then. Okay. And, um, um, well, first that's straight on. A lot of them can know. They were just straight family or um, boss set up there. And that was his, what he got. And um, a lot of the... Ag pilots, I suppose, there's very few ag pilots that would do any good in business because applying was their luck. Making money was, if we can make money if we can, but a lot of them just couldn't handle the management side. And I'm the same too, I knew I couldn't handle the management side because if, you know, if, if somebody wanted to haggle, well, they'll probably accept it for him. And then the time that I was paying him to put his bloody, you know, paying him to put his manure on top of the thing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and I think that, like, that went up with this price cut and these chaps were going out on their own. And no, they were. It was just economically, they just you know, their love was flying, and, yeah. the, and the business was you know, making money out of it. You know, all yeah. very well. But, yeah. but there's very few ag pilots that were. Well, Aussie James was extreme, I suppose. That did really well out of um, management side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But what would you say to somebody, uh, a young pilot today, who's thinking about getting into ag flying? Well, you know, I'm trying for a good few for a good few years. Well, it'd be difficult to hardly say because um, love of flying, it's good there out in the country. It is, but nowadays with today's technology, look, you hear what we went and got away with. Look, you, you don't have it today. You just don't have that day because they've made a big consortium and you're working with so many managers. Where we had we had one our boss yeah. and he wanted us do the job so keep the company going yeah. and we wanted him to um, pay us so we can you know we can live yeah, yeah so there's yeah. a good management yeah, set up now but I, I feel today you know what I go and we'll go with there's just so many middle management that are just trying to tell these jokers how to do their job and oh, I just couldn't put up with that yeah. I, I'm, I must be I'm pleased we have the industry because of Technology where everybody's got computerized aircraft, or GPS, and that sort of thing, and everybody's watching all the time. Yeah, yeah why did you circulate that house for? Right. Oh, yeah. we had you picked up, it was on the you know, he picked up on his phone, or he could yeah. be driving, and just that's what it is today. But we had just the freedom, and it, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good freedom, you know. Not feel if we asked, you know, to get a DC3, a loaded driver, in the South Island, yeah, you know, that's what they basically said to us, you know. And to keep in touch with us and let us know what your um, um, daily times are, so they keep management and uh, not management, the engineering informed right, yeah. to w- to work in your inspections. No, they worked it, but there's a, um, no, they they trusted us. It was, like we trusted the, the boss, you know, as we trusted the boss. They said no, that was it was it was, it was a damn good operation. It really was, and you know, I just feel privileged to be in it. Yeah. And as I said before, yeah, it's been a time I did really. Do you think the time will come when they take the pilots out of top dresses and they'll be um, automated? Well, like cars, trains, and like that, planes probably. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it will do. Yeah, and but, you know, I'd say probably the greenies the way they've you know came on now too. Yeah. They probably they'll be the ones that will they'll kill it. They'll yeah. like, sort of say, oh, you got dust that could be floating there, and it could drift onto some somebody's child and that type of thing. Yeah, no, it's um. So in those days, we did a lot of 1080, you know, because we didn't yeah. know the dangers of it those days. Yeah. I mean, it was part of our job, you yeah. know, doing 1080. And um, like that one, um, the thistle weeds we used to do, we did a lot of spraying. It's a chemical, yeah. and you add it to the manure, and 
but it's, uh, we didn't know we, we, uh, of the danger we didn't. We did um, finish before helicopters came in with the beavers, we had bomb racks on our beavers and we did a lot of fence dropping, oh, yeah. a lot of forest supply dropping, yeah. a lot of rabbit poisoning with the uh, 1080 okay. and same with the forest service we're doing, we're doing um, possum, uh, baiting for possums. Uh, it hasn't all been ag work, it's been a lot of um, yeah, branches of, of that, you know, use yeah. aircraft or um, other type of work. Yeah. I didn't do much spraying, I didn't. I just found the chemicals and spraying really knocked me back actually because they were very crop while I'm doing one run and that sort of thing and, and yet um, yeah, I was just going through my own drift yeah. and that rag and I thought oh god I don't know if I could do this so I avoided spraying the road even though the money was better but you know it's just sort of uh, I suppose those days but the unknown you know, I thought well you know that made me crop over well you know, didn't realise the dangers of it probably yeah, it's, you know, it's been, yeah, it's good, it hasn't just been you know, top dressing, even with the test line, when I was doing it later years, and yep. uh, that was quite interesting too, because first of the type, yeah, just to say the first of the type, that sort of thing, because it's all new ground, you had to feel your way into it. Mm. So what, what were those types that you were testing? Um, Lanceers, oh, yeah. um, and the, um, the Berry Vegan, and not them were the, um, um, say, the smaller type. Aircraft that were coming in here, you know, probably the first of the fixed wing, would say, uh, microlights were coming in there, yep. you know, not, not so much like the Mirages and the um, uh, what the other ones here yeah, before those. I did flying in them, but no, yep. I didn't do test flying in them. Right. But, uh, yeah. Most of them were just home built uh, aircraft that were doing the, and even the aircraft of rebuilds, you know. I, was, I, did, okay. I did the uh, the rear one quite recently for Tim Galpine, that was. Something totally different yeah. because the aircraft hadn't flown for, I can't remember now, but it'd be 50 year, 40 years, 50 years, and Jim did marvellous rebuild on that. And I, I just felt so sad because something went wrong, you know, on his brand new Europe, and he did, but everything worked out well. And Tim's flying it quite regularly now, it's, it's so good to see, actually. Right. I had to rate Tim on it because he'd never flown. And, and that's what I was sort of doing, was doing the test flying, and then uh, rate the owner of that aircraft, and then. Um, then, uh, yeah, it's all theirs then. Fantastic. Yeah, I had a few hairy moments just through, yeah, probably not knowing or not what, you know, what to expect when you're sort of doing the test flying. Yeah. No, it's definitely unique. And I suppose even with the DC 3 we did a lot of test flying that after an engine change, prop change, wing, wing angle, uh, uh, wings were coming off to, for the inspections, yeah. new wings, and so we had to go and fly them for, to see that everything was good. Did you take an engineer with you when you did the test We flight? did the flight, yeah, yeah, because the information he wanted was um, was more than what we could fly the airplane and go through, like shutting down the prop and find how long it took to feather, and then go through the procedure of unfeathering and how long it took to that where we couldn't have time watching and watching holding the aircraft straight level and then going through your feathering that type of thing. So, yeah, an engineer came with it and we sort of felt, well, you know, he's put it together, well, he can come with us to make sure it is all yeah, right. If he yeah. come with us, we knew that everything was was good. If yeah. you know, mm. <laughs> the engineer sort of come to no, no, you take it. Well, I think well, I don't know about the flex workmanship, but no, the engineers are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah we had no no hassle at all. Really, no, that's great. Well, thank you very much, Neville. So really good to okay, talk to you about this. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I was sort of feel I knew you would catch up with me. One yeah, one day. <laughs> one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank yeah. you. Mm.
That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.